Welcome to Resilient You, a podcast with personal resilience expert Steve Leventhal, brought to you by Corestone. Development starts inside. Today, we'll talk about helping kids build resilience in times of crisis. I'm so pleased to have with us today the one and only and thoroughly irrepressible Sha'in Yo, joining us from Singapore. Sha'in has trained more than 10,000 people in the tools and research of positive psychology. Sha'in's first book, The Road to Success, Volume 2, co-authored with Jack Canfield, reached number one bestseller status in September 2016. She's a sought-after speaker on the topic of happiness science. She's been featured in the documentary Chasing Happiness and in numerous publications, including Business Times. She's given talks on TEDx and has so many other wonderful accomplishments. Cheyenne is passionate about supporting people to thrive and believe in the inherent abilities of human beings to live their best possible life. As a mom, she loves supporting fellow parents to enjoy the parenting journey so they can give their best to their children. She's a strong advocate in the field of positive education. She's championed the need for well-being to include it along with academics as a priority in schools, helping teachers to reignite their purpose for teaching and empowering parents to reconnect deeply with their children. Cheyenne, welcome to the program. Thank you, Steve. So for starters, um, I'd love if you could tell us about happiness science. Sure, yeah. So as the name implies, happiness science, um, it's really tapping on the scientific study of well-being or positive psychology, which I studied coming to 10 years ago. And I think while going through that program made me realize that there are ways in which we can become happier. And research has really helped uncover what these ways are. So it isn't just, you know, dependent on hearsay or my mom said that you'll be happier if you do this. But really, it's grounded in research and empirical data. And ultimately, you know, with happiness scientists, we really want to empower people to be happy. Um, and, you know, when people hear the word science, sometimes they feel a little bit daunted, like, is it going to be very jargonish? Is it going to be very heavy? So I think what we are trying to do is really be the bridge, making what seems really complex in heavy journal articles to make it simple so people can understand it. And when they can understand it, when they can access it, they can be empowered to take action to increase their own happiness. Nice. And is there a certain definition of happiness that you that you like to put forth for people that's sort of easy to understand and easy to remember? Or? Yeah, I mean, I my definition of happiness is a combination of what I've studied plus my own experiences. And I, I call it this, you know, happiness is daring to truly live. So, you know, having the courage to go out there and pursue the things that you want, being authentic to yourself. So there's that element of truth you know, that you're not guided by a narrative that society has kind of drawn out for you. And to live, you know, whether it's good emotions, negative emotions, all emotions, I think if we can experience the whole range, and to me, that also counts as happiness. Awesome. I'm curious how you see the relationship between happiness and resilience, uh, especially in this time of, of COVID-19. Everyone is talking about resilience these days. Resilience as a term is trending like crazy. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly, you know, to be perfectly frank, as someone who's worked in this field um, for many, many years now, I find some of the advice out there to be, let's just say, of um, limited value. So um, I'm, I'm wondering how you see that relationship between happiness and resilience. 
Yeah, I guess, you know, when we're happy, we experience a lot of positive emotions. For example, gratitude, joy, hope, inspiration, so many, the whole list. And I think in the research by Barbara Fredrickson, she talks about this theory of broaden and build. And what it is really is it broadens the way in which we see things. So when we are more joyful, we are actually able to see more perspectives. We're able to think about things differently. We're able to do things in more novel ways. And, and what all of this does is to build resources, whether they are emotional resources, relational resources, psychological resources. When we feel this positive emotion, it isn't just about feeling good, but it also helps us to build resources, right? So if we connect this with resilience, for example, when we feel grateful, uh, we're actually thinking about who has done what for us. We're thinking about the things that we appreciate in our life. We're thinking about what we have versus what we don't have. And that builds an emotional resource within us. And these emotional resources, what I call the inner resources, allow us to then go on, right? And the more we can draw on these internal resources, I guess that makes us emotionally resilient, right? And, yeah. you know, so it, it, and if we think about hope, for example, many people have said we have to remain hopeful that we can kick this virus. Um, and some people say like, oh, come on, you know, stop being overly optimistic and, and stop thinking that this is going to happen tomorrow. And I think maybe they don't understand what hope really is. And, you know, I think to me, hope is seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And even if it's just that one speck of light, at least it gives us an indication that something is possible. And that allows us to summon up courage to press on. Because, you know, I don't know about you, Steve, but of course, in, in these days, some days I do feel like, oh, more extensions of stay-at-home notices, um, more shops closing. Sometimes it makes us feel like giving up, doesn't it? You know, sure. and, and, that's yeah, when, and that's when if someone said, oh, by the way, the end date is this date. Ah, suddenly you see that light and yeah, right and you say okay if there's that light then i must it gives us a goal something to work towards you know so right. in that way i feel that there's a very strong connection between happiness the positive emotions and resilience yeah and and you know saying that you're reminding me of one of the things that we like to say which is you know resilience is really muscle building yes it's not a one-shot deal so mm. just like happiness is not a one-shot deal we often talk about it as oh i want to go find my true happiness but you know happiness comes and happiness goes and resilience it, it similarly is a muscle that you need to build consistently otherwise that you know that you lose that as well and it becomes weaker yeah. so it's not just not just a one-shot deal and one sort of you know one destination it's multiple multiple small destinations along the way yeah yeah and i think maybe that's why maybe when people overuse the word resilience and just equate it to like oh bouncing back it makes it it simplifies it almost too much and makes it yeah. seem like you, you suddenly can have it. You can be this bouncing ball almost immediately, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and we actually use a definition of bounce back better, mm. which, you know, talks about, which basically within that de definition gives you the sense of, of, of returning to some kind of a state of normalcy or some state of well-being, but also actually incorporating lessons that you learn through that experience to actually move to a higher level of well-being. Right. I think that fits in quite a, quite a bit, quite well with what you're talking about in terms of your definitions of happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, you know, following up on that a little further, um, 
and you've answered this in part, but I'd love to go into a little little deeper, you know, given the extreme hardship that so many of us are encountering, um, you know, from the quarantine, shelter in place orders, loss of income, perhaps grieving loss of life. Um, you know, I think it's a fair question from people. It, is now the time to be focusing on happiness or should we just be simply coping? Um, or maybe, you know, to put it another way, and, and you did mention this a little, how do, how do we focus on happy, happiness without diminishing, you know, the negative feelings or, the, or I wouldn't even call them negative feelings, but the natural feelings mm. of grief and loss and fear and uncertainty that, that so many people are experiencing. Yeah, I think, you know, perhaps the way to see it, it's not so much that if we focus on happiness that we negate or diminish the negative emotions. I think, you know, if we see it as on any given day, we experience a range of emotions, right? We experience sadness, frustration, irritation, grief, but we can also, on that same day, sometimes even at the same time, we could be experiencing joy, um, satisfaction, serenity, and sometimes it's a fleeting moment, but it's still there. And therefore, you know, this doesn't make one emotion better than the other. And, and to me, it's more of recognizing and being able to notice that these emotions exist, whether they're negative or positive, and be aware that at that very moment, they are real to you. You know, sometimes the risk of pushing away the negative emotions is that they come back even harder and even more intensely. So, you know, sure. sit with it, you know, be aware they're there. But if you notice that they are negative and they're eating you up, maybe you can make a choice to not linger with it for too long. And if they are positive, then maybe we can cherish them and savor them a little bit more. You know, so in a way, it's not that dichotomy of only focusing on happiness and not caring about the other emotions, but kind of welcoming them all into this playing field and, and then being able to then manage the intensity of how it impacts you um, by, you know, just sitting with them and, and looking at them. Yeah. And saying, okay, you are here. Uh, I know it's real and it's affecting me and I'm feeling sad today and acknowledge that, you know, and once you acknowledge it, I think you also feel internally a little more placated. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you remind me of one of my own sort of, uh, I want to call it a mantra per se, mm -hmm. but but certainly something that I that I uh, am a, a big advocate for is the skill of sitting. Mm. Uh, sitting, and it doesn't necessarily even mean meditation or mindfulness, but uh, we're all all of us are always so busy and always running around and going from one thing to the next and consistently projecting into the future. And one of the sort of lessons that I find in the in the pandemic and and shelter at home orders is um, pretty much no matter what I kind of think I want to go do or would like to go do, I can't. Mm. And um, it's a constant reminder of, hey, you know, what an opportunity to just sit yes. and sit without fear, you know, where possible, right? Because when you sit, uh, it's easy for your mind to project into the future, mm. to ruminate over the past um, and to go back and forth into, you know, sort of places of anxiety or, you know, wondering or worry about what is going to happen in the future and what will life be like for my kids and so on and so forth. But the flip side of that is being able to really sit and reflect, be present with what is, as you're saying, and, and kind of let all of that, you know, all of that service. And I think that when you allow yourself to do that, <clears throat> it makes yourself much stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for many people, it feels like a very uncomfortable process. 
Yes, right. yeah, you know, uh, I mean, if I'm feeling angry, you mean you want me to sit there <laughs> and, and, and allow all the anger to overwhelm me? You know, aren't we supposed to go and find some kind of distraction somewhere? Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, as we, as we sit with it, we, we also get to know it better. And when we get to know it better, it's like a friend, you know, I always tell people, our emotions become our friends and we notice they're there and we, we know that this friend likes to eat burgers and <laughs> wears Hawaiian t-shirts. Um, so maybe anger looks like a pounding chest and anger looks like frowning. Anger looks like you know irritability. And once we get to know it, then what we know we can manage, right? And when, it, when we don't sit with it, we don't know what it is and we get scared and, and we push it away and we'll never get to know how to manage it, you know? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so you know, I'm happy for Netflix that so many millions of people <laughs> or billions all over the world are subscribing and binge watching. But you know, maybe on one small piece of advice would be once in a while to turn it off and just sit quietly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, lastly, I'd love to. Uh, you have a phrase which I love called uh, "turning freakouts into gratitudes." And and uh, honestly, as a parent of three, two of whom are under the age of five. Um, I'd really like to personally benefit from that advice, and I'm sure many of our listeners would as well. So I'm, I'm curious, in the heat of the moment, just exactly how do you do that? How do you turn freakouts into gratitudes, and, and, and what is it that you mean by that? Okay, so, you know, I think the first thing you need to do is that you pause. I think sometimes we forget that we have the ability to press the stop button, and we don't give ourselves permission to do that. It's like what you were saying earlier, Steve. We, we are on overdrive so often. And as we are working from home, sometimes our boundaries are missing. And we just keep working and working. And so the first thing I would do if I'm a parent um, that has young children, or even just a parent, right, um, is to pause um, so that we can stop that reactionary instinct that's so present in us. And once we stop, um, the next part is to take a deep, long breath. I think most of the time we breathe in and out and it's like two seconds in, two seconds out. And we think, okay, we've done that breathing thing, now what? <laughs> you know, but actually what, it, what really helps is, you know, breathe in for four seconds and then a much longer out breath for eight seconds. And what that does is that it calms our autom you know, ANS, automat automatic nervous system, autonomic nervous system, which when we are calm, allows us to then become more objective, right? Um, and, and once we're more objective, then we can actually look at what's happening in front of us instead of reacting emotionally. And that's when we can get into a process of stating the facts. So my toddler is throwing a tantrum. <laughs> that is a fact. She is mm -hmm. lying on the floor going round in circles. That's a fact. She is screaming at the top of her lungs. That's a fact. But we're not, <laughs> you know, I'm not, we're not placing a value judgment on it though. How can she do this to me? Why is she so, uh, you know, why is she so mischievous? You know, doesn't she know I'm already in so much pain? These are all judgments. So when we are, we have had that breath and we pause and we can be objective about the facts and we move away from judgment because judgment is what makes our emotions rise. Judgment is what sends us down that rabbit hole, right? So once we're clear on the facts, we now have this perspective 
And that's when I love to ask myself this question. Well, who do I want to be in this moment? And if I'm a parent, I think most parents would not want to scream their heads off at their children. Most parents that I've worked with anyway. <laughs> and, and they want to be able to respond calmly. They want to be able to still love their children in the midst of a tantrum. Incredibly difficult to do for sure. But at least if you have that space, you can at least ask, well, who do I want to be? What would love do in this moment? And you may still be angry. You may still be irritated, but maybe it won't be that level of intensity where you end up straining the relationship and making things worse, right? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can choose your response as opposed to it choosing you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think, right. what, you know, so I, well, I guess what I'm describing is a process. And then your karma, you've asked yourself, you've decided, I want to be this kind of parent. And that's, that allows you to then move into gratitude a little more naturally. Because, I mean, if you're up there in terms of frustration and you ask, and someone asks you, what can you be grateful for? I'm pretty sure you'll give them a dagger stare, right? <laughs> because right. at that moment, it's like, there is nothing in the world I can be grateful for this moment. <laughs> Right. So I guess, yes, right. you go through the process, you're calming yourself down, you're able to see things. And that's when you can say, hey, she's throwing a tantrum, but isn't that great? Because she's telling me, she's allowing herself to be herself in front of me. She, she's honest. She's just being who she is. And if she's two and a half and she's having tantrums, it's perfectly normal in the development of a toddler. And isn't that something to be grateful for? And, and sure. that's when gratitude can come in. So, um, you know, it's a process. It requires us to pause. It requires us to be reflective in that moment. And if you can't get to gratitude immediately, you know, no pressure. I think it just takes time to get there. But at least if you can be a little calmer and be able to choose your response, and I think you have already made progress, right? Nice. Yes. Well, thank you very much. That's some good advice. And... Uh... As you said, maybe it may not work so well mm -hmm. the first time, but if we all exercise it <laughs> sort of uh, regularly, um, I will report back to you on how well it works in my house. <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine a video in your house, you know, Steve, of you like, you know, going to say something and then you're like, Shan, sit, pause. And you just stop there in the middle exactly. of your tracks. <laughs> I, I will send you the video. <laughs> just don't post it on social media and nobody will listen to anything I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, unfortunately, we are at the sort of end of our of our discussion. But um, as always, it's a joy to speak with you. I could talk with you all day, and hopefully, we will again soon in person. You've given us all a lot to think about, and uh, and more importantly, to put into practice. So, um, thank you so much thank for joining you, us. Thank you for having me. Wish you and your family. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Wish you and your family much safety and and good health. Thanks. That's it for today. Join us for next week's episode of Resilient You with personal resilience expert Steve Leventhal.